0: And welcome to another episode of Take It Black, a special Nadoc week episode. And I'm talking with living legend, Uncle Archie Roach. Arch, welcome. And it's great to have you a part of this podcast. Uh, Thank you, Jack. Thanks for for having me. Now, you've been busy last, what, six months,
1: eight months? We have been busy, um, strangely enough, in these times, um, lockdown and, and covid how have you found it? How have you found the the lockdown? You know, I'm pretty pretty prime with you know, um, yeah, being at home uh, on uh, on my own, I have company, my, my son and daughter-in-law, and yep, Jill's around most days. You are down Western Districts way of Victoria, right? Eh? Southwest, southwest Street. Yep. So so it's been good. I, I do miss um, touring oddly enough, or, or that that interaction they have with. When I'm on stage, the interaction I have with uh, with an audience—I uh, have been missing that. But uh, we've we found other ways to do things uh, with this new technology.
0: And uh, yeah, well, that's we're going to have a chat about that. Um, I've been pretty inspired and impressed myself uh, from some of the work that you've had coming out uh, in the last six months, but, you know, even more recently than that. Um, But, look, first, you've been nominated in a few different sort of categories for the Arias this year. Uh, We've got uh, Best Adult Contemporary Album for Tell Me Why and Fix Me Up if I get any of this wrong, Best Male Artist, you've been nominated for this year, Best Independent Release, uh, any that I've missed? Uh, that's it. I think yeah, about that. Just three, three. just three or four. <laughs> yeah. There's some young artists coming up through that were nominated as well. Baker Boy, Briggs, Jess Malboy, Maisha, um, older artists as well. Frank Yammer got one for an album. But then, yeah, he was in there. And Kid Leroy, um, who all of the young people that are younger than me keep telling me that I should be listening to. What's it like, um, you know, at this stage of your career with Tell Me Why getting the acknowledgement, I think it deserves more acknowledgement. But COVID sort of impacted on your ability to tour around uh, the country. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the sales were phenomenal. It's great to to be nominated,
1: to be recognised uh, in the Arias especially, you know. Um, I remember years ago, you know, um, the Arias Awards and being there and, and uh, all the nominations in the Arias that I've actually uh, won through the years. So it's,
0: it's always good to be uh, recognised uh, by the Arias, that's for sure. I like that section of your memoir, uh, the first time you and Aunty Ruby turned up to go to the Arias and uh, on the red carpet sort of shocked a few of the photographers there.
1: Yeah, the crowd, you know, because they, cause they quite, weren't quite sure who was in the car. The car just pulled up, I suppose. It's just a normal reaction for for everybody to start screaming and even though they didn't know who was there, then, you know, two, two couriers get out, two, two, two fellows get out of the car and on the red carpet and then sort of went very quiet. <laughs> so <they're sort> of, <laughs>
0: huh? It uh, <laughs> Different sort of scene, the music industry, or a different complexion of the music industry back in nineteen nineties. Would you say?
1: Yes, definitely
0: was. It's that's um, why when when
1: Chargo Lane was was nominated uh, back back then, didn't know what to expect, and I am uh, not sure if anybody else did as well. But we got um, yeah best indigenous release and best new artist. So uh, I wasn't expecting best new artist, but. Mm. That was, it was, it was an amazing time
0: and I wasn't prepared for for what was, what was gonna happen not long after that, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I've written a couple of pieces um, recently around uh, the release of, well, the anniversary uh, of Charcoal Lane and the release um, in 1990. Uh, one of the people that I spoke to for the Rolling Stone article that I did uh, was Linda Bull. Uh, And and she was there the night at the Melbourne, well, what's now Hamer Hall. I think Melbourne concert hall back in the day. And like Paul Kelly has written about in the past, she said that it was one of the most amazing things, the performance where you supported uh, Paul Kelly and the Messengers, one of the most amazing things that she's ever seen, the way that your voice just basically brought everyone to a standstill. Do you remember that night... Um, as with the sort of clarity that the the impression that it's made on people like Linda Bull and, and Paul Kelly, or is it a, is it a bit of a, more of a wash uh, in, in your memory?
1: No, I remember it well because uh, going out there and singing. And uh, so that first song I sang was a uh, beautiful child. I talked a little bit about it. I just said this is a song about uh, a young man who uh, died in police custody in uh, Bree yep. in New South Wales. And I sang that song, and and there was just dead quiet silence after that. You know, And I thought, oh well. I... Did you think they like didn't like it, or I wasn't sure what to think. I think of, <laughs> if didn't like that, and I just thought yeah. thought to myself. I said, well, I hope you like this next one. It's about um, children being taken away from their families, and a song I wrote about myself uh, being taken away from from my family and brought up in the homes and foster homes. And uh, I sang that and it was pretty quiet after that. And uh, I just thought, well, you know, blow it. You know, if they don't like it, I'll, I'll just go. And I I started to walk off. Yep. I turned around to begin to walk off. And then somebody started clapping me somewhere. And uh, somebody else, and it, came. it sounded like rain on yep. a tin roof, coming down slowly at first. Yeah, one drop here, two drops there, three, four, five drops, and just bang, all of a sudden, it just erupted. And uh, I just stood there. I remember raising my guitar above my head going, yeah, but I did like it. I walked off thinking, wow. Thank goodness for that. But, but yeah, it was strange. It was really surreal at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what Linda said as well. So, um, When you stepped off stage, because you would have got a big surge of adrenaline as well. Yeah, I did, absolutely. That that was the bit that I was interested in from the memoir and, you know, from uh, accounts of people I spoke to for the article that I was writing. What did you do? Did you end up walking home? Because you had Ruby was at home with tea waiting for you, wasn't she? You yeah, uh, time,
1: so. I ended up going backstage and, and, and realising that they, that I mis- mistook for a security guard, was, um, had a guitar strap and I was about to go on stage. I said, well, he's he certainly not security, that's for sure. <laughs> no, that uh, was Paul Kelly. Yeah. Uh, but I listened to the first couple of songs and the thing then was, you know, back in those days, nearly every radio station you turned on, there was a Paul Kelly song being played mm. Mm. and, uh, you know, some of his old stuff. I knew the songs. I said, I've heard these songs. So this Paul Kelly, this is his song. I said, yeah. And I walked out, I said, look, I've got to get home. I walked out after that and, and just uh, got a cab back well did I have a car? No, I had a car. Yeah, I just uh, went back home. Had dinner at the kitchen table. Yeah, well, I, you
0: know, I didn't fancy having dinner at the kiosk there, which is <laughs> still to this day, it's not all that deadly. <laughs> I mentioned the kitchen table because it was what a week or a fortnight or something after that that uh, next minute Paul Kelly and Steve Connolly are up your joint at in reservoir there jamming around the kitchen table with you Ruby and the kids. That's right, it was actually in um in Thornbury was that the
1: family group home. But yeah, they came around and and, and talking about you know uh, doing an album and uh, what songs we had. And we just started singing some old covers, you know, George, you know country songs, uh, George Jones and all sorts of country songs. Mm. And Will Haggard, you know, those old, Charlie Pride. And he said, oh, well, you know, have you got any more songs, you know, uh, like Put the Children Away? Yeah, uh, uh, you know, let, let us know and because uh, um, we'd be interested, uh, my record company would be interested in doing an album. And... Uh,
0: how do you feel about that? I said, I oh, got to give me time to think about it, Paul, Steve. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you had reservations about doing the album. Oh look, I, 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 I don't know why I. Uh,
1: it didn't. I wasn't concerned about that at the time. I was, I was happy. Uh, I worked outside the family group. I, huh? I worked at a, at, a, at a overnight shelter for for, for hostels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, for. for Generally homeless guys that didn't have anywhere to uh, to live, and uh, a lot of them were my old mates I used to drink with. And um, so yeah, I was quite happy in you know, the life that I was living, and songs that I that I wrote and, and sang. I was happy doing them, and around community, mm-hmm. uh, a few other places. I don't know why I was hesitant at first, but but yeah, and I said, I remember telling Ruby, I said, look, I don't. Uh, She she asked me, said, What do you reckon, Dad? You know, an album, do an album. I said, No, I'm not interested. I don't think I'll do it. And that's when that famous expression, you know, put her hands on her hips and looked at me and said, Well, it's not all about you, Archie Burch. Took a while to register what she meant, but I I finally understood what she meant. It's people, you know, because, you know, I I looked up to people, you know, like footballers like Polly Farmer and Uncle Doug Nichols. Yvonne Gulagong and, and Pepe you, you looked up to and heroes, our heroes, you know. They made it possible for the rest of us to to strive, you know, to to hopefully achieve, achieve things, but also when they shone, you know, we shone as well. I
0: think particularly the song, but that performance at Melbourne Concert Hall or whatever it was yeah. called back in the day, to me the issues that you sort of heralded in or you brought to the attention of a broader audience, the Aboriginal experience, like it's just amazing that 30 years later they are still two of the issues that are, remain, to my mind, unreconciled in terms of both the national narrative but also a lot of policy, uh, government policy around those two issues. They're still resonating 30 years later. I agree, Jack. It's, uh, it's still you know, 30 years later and you know, the years before then, prior to 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, deaths in custody this year with the Black Lives Matter global uprisings. What was going through your head when you were watching some of those on whatever it might be, CNN or whatever, you know, those big marches overseas and then here in Australia? When I was a kid, I remember the civil
1: rights movement in America, when black people marched on Selma and places like that, and how they were treated. I was quite alarmed as a kid watching this. Black people being uh, attacked by dogs, being hosed down by big, big fire hoses, men, women and children. And I thought, wow, this is, this is terrible. It took me back to those sort of days and I thought, do we still have to go out there and force and, and, and try to get this message across that our lives matter? and I mean, uh, you know, why, why are we still being persecuted? Yeah. <laughs> the way we are. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's how I felt. Yeah.
0: Well, it seemed I had asked myself the question, like going through this again, What? why hasn't anything changed since the sorts of, you know, that era, as you mentioned, of Selma, um, you know, 40, 50 wow. years ago now. But I think it's because there is a challenge now to the structures. Whatever, you know, the civil rights movement was before, it wasn't yeah. articulated that this, we're challenging the structure. Yeah. things yeah. Uh, and this time around uh, it's very definite about we want to see changes in the structure, um, yeah. whether it be policing, education, all of those other institutions. yeah,
1: exactly yeah, it's true. It just brought me back to that time and I just thought, well, how long is it going to take? You just you know, scratch your head and, and you know and, and think well, why why should it take this long? And uh, sometimes you get weary, but you know you you, you still you, you carry on because of the struggle. Hopefully, we will achieve something in uh, freedom uh, through the struggle—freedom from from oppression, freedom from from from
0: from mental illness, freedom from physical illness because of things that have happened to us. Yeah. Well, look, I mentioned education pointedly because you have released Artie Roach's Stolen Generations education resource. i mm. um, pretty sure that dropped last week. Um, yeah. That involves some film conversations you've had with other elders um, around the place. Uncle Jack Charles, for example, he's in there. Um, Auntie Lorraine Peters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Auntie Ever Joe Edwards. Uh, must be Muddy Muddy, surely related to the job there. Um, Sid Jackson, champion. Yeah. Um, and Aunty Iris uh, Biceth, I don't know, but, but Barkingey woman. Um, now, can you tell us a bit about the objective of this education resource?
1: Well, the objective, I suppose, is to hopefully get it into, on the curriculum into. Into schools, you know, with um, teachers and, and, and children, school children, to be able to access this and uh, you know get a better understanding of the stolen generation and what that is and, mm. and and who that is and what we're talking about and how we're healing, uh, uh, you know, speaking our truth, uh, healing, transgenerational impacts. Yeah, and that's right. The true history about the full history of of this country you can't sweep it under the, under the carpet. It's, it's, it's the history of this country, and we, it needs to be ignored, and people need to understand that. Not just our, our own people, First Nation people, uh, but, but you know, others, they need to own it and realise mm. it, you know, and, and say, well, you know, this took place, this is... This is not just, you know, um, first nations history, but it's it's our history as well because it's Australian history. That's the main objective is to get it
0: there, So, well, I think it needs to go in because I'm a bit younger than you. Um, I went through school in the 80s, early 90s. Yeah. There was nothing in, you know, sure. what we were being taught at that point. There's an argument I see come up. Uh, On social media when, you know, so NITV when we posted this yarn that we did uh, on the resource last week, I've seen some reactions like, oh, we get taught that in schools now or whatever. But that's kind of beside the point because it's people my age that are moving into positions of power, whether it's government or running companies or whatever, you know, people in the (laughs) late 30s, early 40s, and we weren't taught, you know, as a cohort. There was none of that part of our education so the blackfellas that I went through school with of course we knew about kids being taken um, fear of welfare you know we couldn't articulate it to the point that we could today but we certainly knew and our parents were always concerned about welfare coming around and picking us up Mm. uh, if we've been running the muck but it's not that far you know in the past Mm. and I think people forget that do you get that sense when you're going around, you know, telling these stories over and over, that people tend to forget that it's it's such a recent sort of phenomenon. It's true. Um,
1: there's a lot, lot of people that
0: I, I see that they come up and talk to
1: me, they're, they're sort of like already so that yeah, they're fans or, or that. And they went taught this in school and they didn't know anything about it until uh, they first he took the children away and, and other songs dealing with that. But it's true, you know, people think not we it wasn't that long ago when it happened and it's still happening. And yeah, well, that's right. It's still happening now. Well, huh? children in you know, out-of-home care, It's. I want to read the stats on that, it's a, <laughs> it sort of blows your mind. It's a, just as horrific. Take black.
0: Now, around the education resource, um, or even a part of it, I suppose, the release of Took the Children Away, the book, the picture book, um, <laughs> illustrated by Arnie Ruby, yeah. um, lyrics of the song in there. How has that been received?
1: Oh, very, very well. It's a beautiful book, but, you know, with the, with the illustrations by Ruby, in the back there's some more information and, and some archival footage, things that uh, the welfare wrote, you know, so they can, people could get an understanding of you know, how our lives were decided by complete strangers and uh, where we should go and mm. what we should do. So it's a great book, and I'm glad it's been received the way it has. So a lot of people have been asking
0: for it, yeah. Yeah, I uh, received a copy um, in the mail, and, you know, as you do with mail. opened up, left it on the kitchen table and went off to do something else. When I come back, my four-year-old boy was looking through it. He loved it. Mm. Um, and that's, I was just thinking, you know, um, watching him, you know, leafing through it. Is it too heavy for kids of that age? Um, my young fella, no, because obviously he is a, across a lot of the stuff that I have to deal with uh, in my job, um, but for other kids. And I think, you know, the boy answered it himself. They gravitate towards these sorts of stories, these stories that are full of heart uh, and weight and importance. Um, you mm-hmm. know, they get it. They're not are not stupid. So right. worthwhile pointing that out because, again, I've seen some uh, some people, you know, raising that, is it too much for to put on kids? And yeah. the, answer is, the answer is no. No, no I, don't, I don't think so.
1: And you're trying to present it in, in a way that the book does, you know, more in a gentler way. But, you know, I myself have received mail. I've got mail from, from children before the book was even out, you know, from, from a couple of years ago. Uh, where, where teachers have taught them about, you know, played my song and, and taught them about these dominant generations and uh, they've written me letters and uh, saying how sorry they were and uh, couldn't understand why it should happen and feeling hurt that it, that it happened. And uh, so, yeah, like you said, children, are not, they're not silly. Mm-hmm. They understand, you know, things. And if we try to keep stuff from them because it might be a bit too sensitive, uh, for them, or a bit too 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 harsh, would be the wrong thing, I think, to do. Well, they pick up on it, don't they? Yeah, it'd be it'd be letting them down in a way, I believe. You know, and, uh, so they can grow up uh, with this and, and and fully know what it was was all about. And hopefully, that's that's the beginning. Like mm. the book took the children away, the the, the picture book, and uh, later on they can uh, access uh, other information. From the, the, the myriad of, of, of sources that are around the resources, that way, uh, they, they're going to ensure there's yeah, you know, it never
0: happens again. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's the first step stepping stone on the truth telling process, sure. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And the second step is young adults. There's also been a version of your memoir, uh, Tell Me Why, that's released for young adults, comes yeah. out March. In March, yeah. yeah. Right. I've, I've got that one penciled in. I'll be getting that as well. But what I wanted to sort of get across today and something that's blown my mind uh, in the last, you know, observing the last whatever it is, feels like, you know, an endless loop in terms of being locked down. But whenever we went into lockdown, um, you've become a YouTube Internet sensation? Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, suspect that uh, at any stage in your career that you become a YouTube sensation? Oh. <laughs> uh, never. never, Jack. Um, in
1: fact, when Jill first approached me about it, my manager Jill, I thought, "Oh, I don't know about this." I was a bit nervous at first, but but now it's something I look forward to doing each YouTube episode and talk, talking about. You know, uh, you know, celebrating thirty years of Tarca Wayne the album.
0: Yeah. What is it for listeners that perhaps haven't seen it? And if you haven't, just go into YouTube and search for Archie Roach. But give us a visual. What are we looking at when we're tuning into Archie Channel? We start talking about the songs and, 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 and the inspiration behind
1: the songs and what the song was actually about. And uh, talk about it like um, I know when Ruby first came to Charcoal Lane and it was because it was just, men just used to go there. Men, only men just used to drink down there. I don't know yeah. if that was a rule or anything, but women just never seemed to come down to Charcoal Lane at the time,
0: except when Ruby mm. <laughs> came down first. Well, just on that point, where, because I used I spent time living in Fitzroy, uh, Collingwood, where was Charcoal Lane, was it? It's not the same one that people think it is, is it? it's, no, up no, it's, up it's not up near where, they, where they've got the, the
1: restaurant. Mm. It's down further. It's, it's across Smith Street, actually in the Collingwood area, and the only way to space it, it's, it's off a street, little street called Derby Street, just off Smith Street. The best way to put it is it used to be behind the Cambridge Street School, primary school. It's been turned into a car park and it's not there anymore, the lane. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, and uh, that's where it originally was uh, on the Collingwood side of Smith Street. Yeah, because you're a Collingwood boy
0: at that time, weren't you? Or around
1: we lived. We lived in first lived in Collingwood. We didn't hang around Collingwood all the way except for Charcoal
0: Lane, which was basically up Fitzroy. A, Fitzroy, Fitzroy, really. Yeah. When you go down Gertrude Street now, what what sorts of things are passing through your mind? Oh, uh, ghosts.
1: Ghosts, it's like it's haunted. In the haunted hills, I see I see ghosts of old Fellows fellas I used to drink with, and fellas I used to know, and fellas used to hang around the pubs, and and uh, old fellas. Each pub, the top pub, the champion, they would there's often Uncle Banjo. who used to uh, not Uncle Banjo Clark, another Uncle Banjo who uh, used to pick up all the glasses and. They give him, sting him a few dollars for doing that, and down at the bottom at the builders arms, there was another old fellow by the name Michael Chico Savage, and he did the same thing, picking up all the glasses, empty glasses, because it's all it's different now. It's not like it used to be, you know. You, you mm-hmm. see a couple of stragglers here and there, but but not like it used to be. You used to walk down Gertrude Street. If you come from one pub or come from one place to the other down Gertrude Street, uh, it'd take you about an hour to get there because mm-hmm. the community would stop you in the street. And when community was strong and aunties, uncles, cousins, and you'd be having a yarn, you know. And next week, you, you get up and start going and say, Where was I going again?
0: <laughs> and, uh, Another one singing out, but that's what I see. Uh,
1: you know, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I see old faces, you know? it's like you're going into the haunted
0: hills, you know, mm. see ghosts of all the mole fellas, you know. Yeah, I went down there one night with uh, Gary Foley. Uh, We're going to some art exhibition there opposite the Builder's Arms and we got out of the the Uber or whatever we we caught there. He was telling me that uh, the Builder's Arms were the reason he arrived in Melbourne and it was the reason why he stayed. He got out of the whatever, the taxi, you know, back in whenever he arrived all those decades ago Um, and he went in, had a beer and went, I'm home, I'm stopping here. (laughs) So it must have been a pretty welcoming environment, you know, amongst uh, a racist um, society still back in, you know, late 60s, 70s, whenever you like, he yeah, locked yeah, here. Yeah. Um, but it must have been a pretty welcoming and uh, safe spot.
1: Yeah, it, it was. It was, um, you felt comfortable. Everybody was there. Our jukebox would be going. Mm. Yeah, most of my family there in the pubs and, yeah, you know, the hotels in Gertrude Street. So, yeah, it was a time when when community was, was, community was that strong, it was that deadly, that, yeah, we, we need to get that that back somehow, you know, because a lot of young fathers aren't growing up with that type of community experience and, and strength mm. that I had even though I was drinking. Mm. But, you know, um, community kept you I don't know,
0: safe. It just kept you, yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's a bit of that... Online, um, and that sort of gives me some hope, particularly around if they all go and start checking out the YouTube channel. But again, you miss out on that uh, the physical side of it, don't you? Being able to pull someone in line when they're going off about something silly, or you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you need that aspect, that tangible element to it charcoal lane kitchen sessions uh series is sort of drawing to an end but you've got another one coming is that right you've got young yeah. with uncle yeah hopefully we'll we'll have um we're going to to young young up and comers i suppose uh
1: singer songwriters oh yeah yep um, and so talking to them conversation with them and and uh talking about their songs and songwriting and And uh, what their inspiration is also behind their music.
0: Mm. uh, Yeah, I caught up with uh, Leah Flanagan the other day uh, for Take It Black. Um, And, yeah, she's working with, uh, well, she's got a number of roles, but one of them is working with the young ones coming through. Um, She just said there's so many there's so many and they all need sort of mentoring and they're all you know hungry for mentoring as much as they can get so Mm. uh, it was a great initiative also as part of the charcoal lane kitchen table youtube sessions you ended up recording charcoal lane again yeah the songs
1: of charcoal lane just here here where i'm talking to you now from jack yep my my kitchen table and i had two other musicians uh, uh, Steve Magnusson on guitar and a fellow called Sam Manning on double bass. It was just so different than going to a studio, you know, doing it, you know, doing a couple of hours in the studio and coming because it was relaxed here at home. I could see outside my my window in the back there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just felt so comfortable doing it that way, and and I think that the the album, the songs, show that. It's like 30 years since I recorded those those songs and. And it's now it's like they've grown as I've grown through the years, the songs. I sing them, I suppose, interpret them the way, I suppose, they should have been. But they were so so fresh and new when I first uh, recorded them. It uh, needed that time, I suppose, to for them to grow and mature, f- and along with myself, mm-hmm. uh, to actually understand
0: how to interpret them. and So so, so that album drops Naught Week.
1: Yeah, yeah, NADOC Week. But we've already true.
0: got the single out. The single took the children away, and a, actually, and a clip as well. You. Okay, I've Did heard the know? single. I haven't seen the clip. Where can I get? Where can I find the clip? Well, it's, it's on YouTube. People we actually went out to Framlingham, uh, Aboriginal, uh, where well,
1: the people still live there, yep. and uh, did, did some of the clip there and uh, some footage from from the time was up in Bunsalan Country, my father's country, in on the Pounds River, so, so, so uh, it's having them both together. It's a great clip, you know. But uh, Gunnishmaa Country, my mother's country, is represented by the West Eagle, my father's country, Bunsalan Country. He's represented by his, 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 his uh, spirit uh, being read by his backsnakes. So it's very, not very happy with him and proud rest, of what we've been able to do and Jill, as Jill Shuffman has been able to do. it. Well,
0: the single, it's yeah it's really intimate and um well, took the children away can be any more moving it, it manages to find where it can go to make it you know more moving so, yeah well done I'd, I'd recommend listeners uh get out and get that album as soon as it drops um, speaking of Bundjalung country, I wanted to take the opportunity while speaking to you to put a, a call out there, shout out to Cathy uh, Comsey who I believe is your cousin. Um, she a uh, amazing woman for listeners that don't know Kathy, She was um, hoping to get her on to take it back at some point to talk about uh, her work with Streetwise, which was one of the first comic books, Aboriginal comic books, put out in australia um, and she was instrumental i think or you know one of the organizers for the bicentennial march back in 1988 which you went up to that's part of your memoir i read there how was that like talking about blm uh, uh marches and demonstrations before i was there in 1988 but i was only a young fella but how was it you know heading up there uh, it was look it was a time where It just felt invincible. It felt
1: like we'd arrived. We're going to do so many great things. Unfortunately, it didn't didn't work out like that. But mm, during that time, you just felt that. You felt that empowerment with so many people from all around the country. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Just there, one one mind and one voice. Mm. Um, It was so powerful, so so
0: powerful. I'm glad my sons, they were just still at the time. I uh, had the chance to be there as well, to see it. It was it, the biggest it, demonstration that I'd ever seen.
1: Of course know, it was, it, you know, I
0: think it was 11 or 12 or something. But uh, to me, to think back to then, uh, 40,000 or 50,000, whatever the, the estimate of uh, the crowd size was. But now we get to see that pretty much every year in multiple cities on the same day let alone, you know, around BLM stuff. What do you feel when you see the vision of these crowds on January 26th and stuff coming together? To, well, one, to sort of demand acknowledgement um, and address uh, for redress of the same sorts of issues that, you know, marching for in 1988. I know, I, I
1: feel, you know, at least that people are still, are still there and want our voices to be heard. Even though we have to still talk about it, if that's the case, then yeah, we should front up, you know, whenever we can, and just keep, you know, uh, keep up the struggle. The only way nothing is going to be achieved uh, if we sit in our mooms and and just hope and write uh, to government and write to our, you know, uh, you know, whoever in government, and hopefully wait for them to do something. We've got to get up and, 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 and try to push uh, for change uh, through demonstration. And that's the way we've done it. That's the way we did it.
0: And our young people are doing the same thing. Take it black. So I'm here with living legend, Uncle Archie Roach. Um, just before we go, we're out of time again. I could be just talking with you for months. I'd like to. Um, what do you got coming? I know the... The new album, the songs of Charcoal Lane, dropping in uh, Nadot Week. Any albums after that, you can give me the exclusive of.
1: Well, yeah, we we have uh, an album of of, of songs that I, that I that 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 I've written um, already before, but never made it onto mm-hmm. um, albums. Yep. So we're going to release them called called the uh, Old Days. Oh, cool. In January, we're hopefully going to release those songs, and uh, you know, listening to the back to them again, I thought, wow. When you hear them and think that these are good songs, you know, if you actually like the songs yourself of what you've written and done, chances are other people will too. So, yeah. So hopefully, we'll get that out in January.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, next month you're going to be on the cover of the Rolling Stone magazine, right in the centre too. Um, <laughs> one of the 50th all-time greatest Australian artists. I think I've got that right. Um, yeah. Did you ever think that you were going to get on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine? I mean, they've had a number of articles about you, but there you are, right in the front and centre.
1: No, no, I, you know,
0: there's a sing-along with Dr Hook, you know,
1: yeah. uh, cover of Rolling Stone. and uh, But, you know, you you, you don't think about stuff like that, you know, even 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 albums, you know, you don't think about, oh, Dizzy Dilly is going to you know, get an ARIA award or mm. it's going to go gold. You just say that somebody likes it. But it's a great, great acknowledgement. And and to see see yourself on the cover of a roll of stone like like it isn't you know, a with that red bean yeah. on my stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> yeah, that made sure that you were right there. But now he, you know, um back fell on me, you said, know, so well that's the other well, thing. I, I just go straight to me. Even though I didn't want I was trying to see who else is here and I kept looking straight at me. I said, well, And that's the way it the way it's way it is with it. And uh, I'm glad and happy
0: that I did. Uh, listeners should get out and buy this month's edition with my story in there on on Archie. Um, uh, did you know that there was an element in my story, to spruik my story again for a second, uh, yes. where the fella that came out and spoke to you about your album Charcoal Lane thirty years ago was ended up being the grandson of Sidney Nolan. Did you know that at the time? No, no. I mean, I I'd only found that out just just recently that he's, you know, Sidney Nolan's grandson. Yeah, yeah. And he was saying to me, I chased him down, and he told me that um, it was Sidney Nolan's paintings uh, that he did on Death in Custody that, you know, tuned his ear to the cause. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it was just an amazing sort of uh, thing that emerged during that story. Uh, Look, unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you very much for joining us uh, for this special Nadoc episode of Take It Black. No, thank you, uh, Jack, for, for, for having me. It was, uh, it was a great yarn, but We'll have to have another chat when the the next the album in January comes out. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good.
1: Always love, always will be
0: Well, thank you, Archie Roach, for joining me for this special NADOC week episode of Take It Black. <laughs> Listeners, you can subscribe to Archie's YouTube channel, just go to the YouTube website. Tap in Archie into the search field and hit the big red subscribe button. You can also pre-order the Songs of Charcoal Lane, the new album, by going to Archie's website, archiroach.com forward slash store. All proceeds of the sales go to the Archie Roach Foundation. Now, while you've got your tapping fingers out and hitting your smart device, you should also subscribe to Take It Black. Do that through your preferred podcast listening app. And why not throw us a follow at Twitter while you're there? So from all of us at NITV News Online, happy Nadoc week. Always was, always will be. Stay fierce and keep taking it black.